the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Well, good morning, everybody. It's lovely to be with you once again, to be able to worship the Lord together, whether we're here in person, whether we're online. It's just great to be able to uh, continue learning from the Lord. And we're just in the middle of our series from Romans chapter 12, just one uh, chapter of the Bible that we're looking at at the moment. Uh, and it's my pleasure this morning to be uh, continuing in that series. My name is Paul Cook. I'm one of the leaders here and I'm Sarah's husband as well. Now, we weren't here last Sunday. Uh, unfortunately, in a, in a way, unfortunately, um, no, it wasn't unfortunate at all. We were on holiday, which is a good thing, isn't it? It was a really good thing. I enjoyed the holiday. Um, we were in Portugal, and the reason we were in Portugal, uh, just over the River Douro from uh, Porto, is that we were visiting this lovely couple. Yes, some of you will know who they are. A lot of you will know who they are. Know who they are. This is Steve and Lydia, who went out from this church to go, inser- go and serve in Portugal about three years ago. Uh, and uh, we'd been trying to see them, Uh, in 2020 and in 2021 and on each occasion we had to postpone because of COVID and finally we got there in May 2022 and it was such a joy to be able to go with them last Sunday this time there's no time difference with Portugal um, to their church in Portugal and that's them standing outside uh, the church where they serve and it's really interesting in the uh, in the Portuguese church they have a moment in the service where somebody explains what they're going to do when they take up their offering. I see that we've got uh, this peculiar box still on the chair here. I don't think we're going to be doing it today, but they're doing it back in Portugal. They're taking the offering in the, uh, in the service. And every, every week, somebody explains why they do that. And it was Steve's turn to do it on Sunday. And Steve went out with zero Portuguese, nothing. And he was able to in my ears anyway, very fluently uh, talk about why we do this in church. So that was a real encouragement to me. Can you guess the passage he chose to talk about for that moment in the church service? It was exactly the same passage that Simon was speaking on last week here at Belmont. Uh, And I'm pretty certain they didn't know that about each other. So it's just a real encouragement that this was a really good message for us to be hearing last Sunday. Well, we're going to continue looking at the, uh, the Romans, uh, that Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 9 to 13, but we're going to start by reading everything uh, up to verse 13 as well. So if you've got your own version of the Bible, please do get it out, whether it's uh, a phone version or a paper version, doesn't matter. The words will be on the screen, but let me just pray as we open up God's word together first. So, Father, we thank you so much for this precious word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you inspired it to be written all those years ago. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that as we read it today, uh, you will be opening our ears, our hearts, and our minds to know what it is that you want to say to us. So, please, use this, uh, this, these few verses to bring your word to us Today, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, here we go. 
Romans chapter 12, uh, the titles I've put up are just the, the, the titles we have for the, the, the talks in the series so far. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. I don't know if, um, if you've spotted this story. It actually came out a decade ago, but obviously because... Um, Russia's been in the news so much recently, it's kind of been doing the rounds again. This is Patriarch Kirill, who's the head of the Russian Orthodox Church. And a decade ago, he got into hot water because of the watch that he had on his wrist in this top-level meeting with um, a Russian politician. I don't know if you can see that, but uh, it is apparently a $30,000 watch, a really posh watch. Um, And obviously, the media department of the Russian Orthodox Church decided it's not a great idea to have quite so much bling uh, on show. So they photoshopped it out when they put it uh, on their social media. But they'd forgotten that Patriarch Kirill was leaning on a very shiny table. Yeah, you can still see the reflection of the watch in the table. Mmm, a bit naughty. Well, they did put their hands up and said it was a bit naughty afterwards. But there's a word for this, isn't there? And the word is hypocrisy. And that word hypocrisy is a word that comes straight out of the Greek language that our New Testament is written in. The Greek word hypocrisis literally refers to someone acting under a mask. And the Greek word for an actor is a hypocrites. So you can see uh, exactly where we get our, our English word from. What's the relevance to what we're talking about this morning? It's the fact that Paul starts his passage by saying, love must be 
sincere. And actually, the Greek word he, he uses is anupokritos, not hypocritical. That's what Paul is telling us this morning. Our love must be not hypocritical. But I think that's a challenge for, for all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I, I kind of showed an example from the Russian Orthodox Church. I could easily have shown an example from any branch of Christianity at all. And if we're honest, we recognize hypocrisy in our own lives, don't we? It's all too easy to say one thing and to do another. All too easy. And so Paul, in this section of Romans chapter 12, wants to help us address that question of living a sincere life. And he does it under three broad areas. First of all, he talks about our minds. And then he talks about our interactions with each other. And then he talks about our relationship with God. In other words, he's talking about inward, outward, and upward. And so that's the way we're going to be thinking about this passage this morning. So let's start with the first bit, shall we, with, um, with our minds. I find it really interesting that Paul talks about love... And we know how important love is in his thinking generally. But the very next concept he talks about in this verse is hate. Isn't that strange? Because normally uh, we think of love as being something sort of warm and, and lovely and fluffy and beautiful. But when Paul talks about love, the first thing he talks about is hate. He says, hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Isn't that just a bit extreme? Is that really what we're supposed to do if we're followers of Jesus? And the answer is yeah. (laughs) That is what we're called to do because that is how Jesus' mind worked as well. The verse I've just put up on the screen is uh, from the letter to the Hebrews, also in the New Testament. This is God the Father talking about his son, Jesus Christ. He says, you, Jesus, my son, and he says it approvingly, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. There's a moral content to Christian love which is discerning in how we use our minds and our thoughts. But there's a challenge for us here, isn't there? How do we do that? How how do we do that with our minds? Because... I don't know about you, but I don't always hate what is evil. If I see something that I know is not right, I'm sometimes quite kind of drawn towards it, actually. And as for what is good, Paul says, cling to it. It's a passionate word. Cling on to it tight. And sometimes I can be quite indifferent to stuff that's good. How do we become those people? Well, this, I think, is, is where Johnny's uh, talk back in the, uh, the beginning of this series is so helpful for us. This verse from Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. This is what Paul says to us, isn't it? He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't get squeezed into the mold of this world in your thinking, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when Paul talks about the renewing of our minds... He's using a word that he only uses on one other occasion in his writing, in the letter that he writes to Titus, where he says in chapter 3 and verse 5, God saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal, 
Same word in Greek as renewing. By the Holy Spirit. In other words, this is a word and a work that has to do with the Holy Spirit's uh, activity in our lives. The only way that our minds are going to be transformed is as the Holy Spirit changes our natural patterns of thinking to be more like Jesus. And our job, obviously, is to put ourselves in a position where the Holy Spirit can do that work. We need to spending time in the word that the Holy Spirit inspired in the first place. Spending time in the Holy Spirit's presence. And then he can do his work of renewal of our thoughts bit by bit, day by day. Forming our character in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our minds. Second thing I said we talked about was our interactions with one another. Um, in the second talk in our series, Clive uh, really helped us to think about being one body. And he, says we've, and he said in his talk that we've got this, this unity, diversity of gifts, but this unity of purpose. We are one body in the Lord Jesus Christ, living for him, serving him as we help one another to grow in him. And I think Paul picks up with that idea uh, in verse 10 when he says to us, be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Really interesting uh, word that Paul uses in the middle of verse 10 there. He doesn't use it anywhere else in his writings, but he uses it here. And it's a word that has to do with the affections that exist between family members. And it's the only place we find it in the New Testament. Paul is saying, you know, if you're in a human family and all of us are in some kind of human family, you know the strength of the affection that you feel for your family members, whether it's your parents, your grandparents, your siblings, your aunts, your uncles, your children, if you have them, you know what that feels like, right? Paul says, I want you to take that depth of feeling and affection And I want you to bring it into your life as a church together, your community life. Be devoted to one another in Christ as you are in your natural families. And I think this is such a wonderful opportunity for us as as a church and the church generally. Because we're in a world which is so lonely, aren't we? So much isolation in the world. And it... COVID obviously didn't help as we were encouraged to stay in our little bubbles. And Paul says, bring those family relationships into the life of the church so that we can offer community, joy, love, relationship in a world which lacks those things so very often. But that's hard in a big-ish congregation. Genuinely hard, isn't it? I was looking at our church uh, address book the other day. There are 640 names on it. That's not even counting the children. There is no way that I can have a meaningful relationship with 640 people. No way at all. And that's why we need, when we think about our interactions, to think small. We need to think, we were talking about this a few weeks ago, we need to think about things like our home groups particularly, where we can get to know a small group of people And find friends there in the Lord. Be devoted to one another in love, in the Lord, in those smaller groupings. And if you're not in a home group uh, at Belmont and would like to be, 
We're going to have the opportunity today uh, for you to find out more about that. Um, Alison Judd, I think she's, there's Alison. She's just at the back. She's waving her hand. If you'd like to find out more about home groups, do go and find Alison and she'll help you understand what they're about a bit later on. And then Paul says in verse 13, we're going to come back to verses 11 and 12 in a moment. He says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. So we've thought about how we can support one another within our, our church groupings. And now he says, look outside. Look outside the immediate church grouping. Where do you see need and how can you share with those people? And if you were at our last church meeting, Clive, who always does an amazing job kind of giving us pictures so we can understand figures, uh, showed us this, this picture. And he explained to us that 15% of our expenditure as a church is going to go this year to stuff that takes place outside of our building, and in some cases, way outside of our country. Uh, and that's really important to us as a church. We want to be generous with the resources that we have been given. So we've got mission partners who are overseas, people like Steve and Lydia in Portugal. We've got double that number of mission partners right here in the UK. And so I just want to say a big thank you to you, a huge thank you to you, the Belmont Congregation, because it's your giving that makes that generosity possible. Thank you so much. Uh, I hope and pray that in this challenging economic situation that we're in, we'll be able to continue to be those who share with the Lord's people who are in need. And Paul says there's one particular way that you can do that. And he says it's through that wonderful gift of hospitality. He says, practice it, pursue it, he literally says. Make it your goal to be hospitable. Now, of course, we can't all welcome people into our homes for a meal. We may not have a home. And it certainly may not be the right kind of home for that kind of thing. But we can all spend time with one another in different ways. We can practice hospitality. But what we're trying to do as a church is put hospitality right at the centre of our Sundays as a kind of symbol of what we want the church to be throughout every day and every week. So we have our community lunches. Have you been to a community lunch? Just pop your hand up if you've been to one of those. Oh, wonderful. Great. Lots of you have been to a community lunch. Um, I love them. I love them. When they're on, I sign up for them. Uh, and I hadn't realised there was one today, which is why I've got the graphic from last week's community lunch, until yesterday. So I've signed up for, t for today's. And earlier, there are apparently still 34 spaces. So you can come as well if you want some lovely lunch. And more important than the lunch, time to get to know people who you might not know yet. What a blessing that has been. But we are also, as a church, wanting to support ministries of hospitality. And I don't know, you might know some of these, but these are all things that take place here in Exeter and that involve hospitality, whether it's food, whether it's shelter, whether it's welcome uh, and friendship. They're all things that we do uh, in this city of Exeter, and they're all things that we support as a church, that you support through your gifts, through your prayers, and through your presence. Thank you. Thank you for enabling us to be a hospitable church. So, uh, thought about our minds, thought about our interactions. This is the last thing, our relationship with the Lord. I said we go back to 11 and 12. Here we are. 
Paul says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. I sometimes struggle with the first part of that verse. Uh, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I, I, I come to church and it doesn't happen very often, but sometimes I'm not feeling kind of... Sometimes I'm just not, but I, I, I put on a bit of a mask sometimes to do that, sometimes. I put on my mask and, and underneath I'm, I'm perhaps not feeling it. Um, we need the Holy Spirit, don't we? to minister to us in those moments, to help us. But also we need the Holy Spirit to tell us when it's time to stop, if we're doing a bit too much sometimes. But Paul says, just be joyful in your hope. That's the first thing, be joyful in your hope. And um, I'm going to to pick up this. We've, We've seen a lot of this recently, haven't we? We've seen a lot of the rope. I'm tempted to call it the rope of hope, but um, um, yeah. Johnny, Johnny very helpfully got the rope out for us the other week. And, um, and then Lizzie uh, in the baptism service did the same. We got to imagine that this, this, this rope is even, even longer than it already is and goes on forever and ever and ever. And it represents the eternity of our life in Christ. The eternity of our life in Christ. That's why we can be so joyful in hope. Because... We don't just have a hope for this life, do we? In Jesus Christ, we have the hope of a resurrection body without all of the limitations of our current bodies, living in perfect harmony with him and with all the redeemed in the new heavens and the new earth forever, forever in that blissful state. What an amazing hope we have. We can be joyful in the hope that the Christian gospel holds out to us. If you don't yet know Jesus, it's the most amazing thing that he promises us for the future. I would so encourage you to come to find out more about that and continue journeying with us here at Belmont. We can be thoroughly joyful in hope. But, Paul says, and he's realistic about it, the bit of our life that is now, a tiny fraction of eternity, but... It's the bit where we feel the afflictions, and the afflictions are real. It might be health. It might be your jobs. It might be family relationships. It might be actually being persecuted to some extent because you're a follower of Jesus. Affliction is real. Affliction only happens here if you're in Christ. This bit, zero affliction if you're in the Lord Jesus Christ. This bit, affliction is real. But Paul says you can be patient. You can be patient through all of these trials and afflictions of life because you've got this extraordinary hope to look forward to. And then finally, Paul says, be faithful in prayer. And prayer is the key because prayer is where those two things come together. Prayer is where we experience the Father's presence. We experience a bit of heaven when we come to the Father through the Son in the power of the Spirit. We experience what it's like to have that hope of eternity. But prayer is also where we bring our afflictions, isn't it? Our pains, our sorrows, the things that we're desperate for, 
the things that grieve our souls. And they're real. And we bring them to the Father in prayer. It's the only place we can do those two things together. We need to be faithful in prayer. And we have the opportunity to do a little bit of faithful praying uh, in the next 10 days because we've got this thing called Thy Kingdom Come, which is happening uh, all over the world. It's the opportunity for us to get together and pray for ourselves, for our world, for our friends who don't yet know Jesus, for our churches as they seek to grow and to develop. And we at Belmont, we've signed up for a 24-hour pet prayer slot Uh, from um, the 31st of May through to the 1st of June. The details are in our focus news sheet. We haven't filled it up yet. We'd love to fill it up and then go on for 48 hours and 72 hours. Wow, wouldn't that be amazing? So I'd love to encourage you, if you haven't yet had to think about that, uh, please do consider signing up for it. Uh, Amanda, Amanda, where's Amanda? Amanda Ford is helping us to put that together. Thank you, Amanda's at the back uh, and uh, of this block over here. She's going to be waiting out in the area where the open doors are at the front of the building. Inside there afterwards, if you'd like to find out more about Thy Kingdom Come, I can either talk to me or talk to Amanda about that, and we can be faithful in building our prayer life together. So there we are. We've thought, haven't we, about this sincere life that the Lord calls us to. Our minds, our interactions, our relationship with the Father. And now we're going to come to this table because we're going to share communion together. This table and this table and that table over there. And it's the time when we don't need the mask. We all wear a bit of a mask sometimes, I think. We can let the mask go completely as we come to the Father. He knows us inside out. There is no point in wearing a mask with God. But we can let them go and we can be those who receive of his grace, respond to his love and commit ourselves to following our resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. So let's come and do that now as Andrew leads us. Thank you.